Hi and welcome to the Homeopathy Health Show. I'm Atik Ahmad Bhatti, a fourth generation homeopath with over 25 years of professional experience and practice in this field of healing. The Homeopathy Health Show is the online voice of homeopathy around the world, promoting and raising awareness of this truly unique system of healing, which is suitable for all ages, young and old. Every week I invite guests from the world of homeopathy to come and share their experiences, their work, offer insights and essentially talk all things homeopathy. Why not visit www.liketreatslike.co.uk and click on the radio and podcast button to listen to the latest episodes. So let's begin today's show here on UK Health Radio, the world's number one talk health radio. Hi and welcome to another episode of the Homeopathy Health Show here on UK Health Radio and I'm your host Atik Ahmad Bhatti. Now I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Corinne Stewart who is the Chief Executive for the Society of Homeopaths in the UK to today's episode. The Society of Homeopaths is the largest group of professional homeopaths in the UK working to uphold the highest professional standards in homeopathy. Now, you know, interestingly enough, when I started this podcast, one of my personal wishes was to have representation from the society on the show. And here we go. So I'm really, really happy. Uh, It's going to be great. Now, Corinne has a commercial background and for the last 13 years has worked in the not-for-profit sector with organizations like the Royal Institution of Great Britain and is now the chief executive at the Society of Homeopaths. Corinne says, My passion for working within homeopathy is all about the people within it, the passion homeopaths have for their chosen profession, and their desire to advance their skills and knowledge to help others. And with that, I welcome Corinne Stewart to the Homeopathy Health Show, and uh, such an honour. Thank you so, so very much. Oh, thank you, and I'm very honoured to be here. It's um, I've been really looking forward to this. Thank you for having me. You mentioned that you have spent several years, or should I say nearly over 13 years, rather, mm-hmm. in the not-for-profit sector. And you have been actively involved with the Association of Independent Professionals and the Self-Employed and the Royal Institution of Great Britain. So I was going to ask you just to share um, your experiences there and what that sort of entailed, which then led you to um, you know, serving at uh, the Society of Homeopaths. Mm, well, I'm actually, I, I came to, uh, so it's Ipsy for short, I I came to be working for Ipsy because I was a member. Um, and I was running, um, you know, as, as a sole director of my own limited company, as we could do um, when the government hadn't changed the tax laws, um, as they've done now. Um, and I'd been working in the membership sector for, as, as you say, about 13 years. So I came to Ipsy um, as a member, as head of sales and then uh, commercial director um because it it sort of at, the, at that point in time um ipsy had 74000 self-employed members and and these were all freelancers consultants or or sort of owner op, owner owner um operated business a bit like homeopaths actually you mm. know so um and i came really almost as an insider because i had been i've probably been more I've been self-employed as many times as I've been an employee in my career. 
So I know what it's like, you know, the highs and lows of running your own show. Um, and I just absolutely loved it. Uh, and um, so I have an affinity. I have an affinity with the self-employed anyway, because I, I recognize that the, the, the highs and lows and the sometimes you can have a real love hate <laughs> with your own business, you know, Um and uh, anyway, that that sort of um, that was part of the journey. And then um, I I saw advertised um, a position as um, chief executive of the Society of Homeopaths, and it was uh, it was probably actually quite a quite a brave decision by the board to employ me because I'm not I'm not actually a homeopath. So I'll say that right now, I'm not a homeopath. <laughs> um, but I what I am is a um, a membership specialist so I, I know how to run an organization a membership organization but i mm. i can't i cannot do my best unless i believe in the people are within it and what we stand for and what we do I, I couldn't i couldn't do something and i already had an affinity um for i suppose i'm a curious person i love i love finding out you know how things tick and new ideas in the world so I already knew a bit about homeopathy, but then, but at that point, I mean, that was May 21. So if you imagine May 21, we'd not long had lockdowns and um, there was a lot of fear around at that time. And, but homeopathy stood for freedom of choice. I strongly also believe in bodily autonomy. Um, I think there's a a growing interest in natural health and has been since during COVID and post COVID. And really this is the time. I mean, we were just, we were talking a little bit before we, we came on air. This is the time for homeopathy in my view and for homeopaths. So I, I don't think there's, it's, it's hard to think that there's been a better time in recent years and it's up to homeopathy as a profession to, to decide where it's going and for us to grasp these opportunities and yes we do have some challenges as well but it wouldn't be fun if there weren't any challenges would it you know life would be a bit dull if there were no challenges so <laughs> absolutely <laughs> um, although you know i am in in um in mind of the chinese curse may you live in interesting times of course um yeah. but um yeah so i think it's i think it's incredibly exciting i think the opportunity is there i think younger people are are far more aware of their own bodies and what they put into their own bodies. I think they're they're more aware of the environment and of, of nature around us. That's not to say that older people aren't as well. But but it, it very much is the time. Before I came on the podcast, I was actually looking at some statistics with that um, and how so I'm looking at news consumption. So here we are. Here's a stat early on in the in our, our conversation. Great. Go for it. Go for so, it. News consumption: sixteen to twenty-four year olds get all their their get eighty-three percent of them get their news online, seventy-one percent on social media. And if you're looking at twenty-five to thirty-four year olds, eighty-one percent get their news um, online and sixty-six percent on social media. So sometimes when when our members say, "Well, you know, we're not getting a fair shout on." in the press or or why why doesn't the bbc ever ask us on well actually those platforms are getting less and less important we are very much in a culture and society now where it's bite-sized pieces of information yeah and it's just so easy i mean on the, on the mobile devices just to get that information and get the facts and yeah. if you want to explore further of course you have that opportunity as well but gone 
seem to be the days, and I mean this with the greatest respect, where you would wait for the for a newspaper to come out in the evening or the next morning because it's so old news now, isn't it? it Social is. media is instant. It is. It is, and uh, I think there's been a lot of um, a loss of trust, which also accounts for it. I mean, uh, and uh, the la- last stat, and the only because I was looking at this this morning because we've got our our um, we have a journal um, that we produce three times a year, and we're looking at sort of our articles and what we might be doing in the next next issue. But this is from Ofcom's report in 2023, and this is a direct quote: Broadcast TV's weekly audience sees the steepest annual decline since records began, while older audiences' daily viewing drops at the fastest rate ever. No one's watching, and it's podcasts like these that are getting through to people, not the old-style media. So that that's so I'm doubly, triply excited to be on this podcast because of it's that. Ex- <laughs> it's exciting <laughs> times, isn't it? Because, it is. you know, the beauty of podcasts and, and streaming services is that they don't control the way you live your life because previously, as you know very well, and 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 certainly I've been in this situation growing up as well. When I don't know the two Ronnies, or um, I, I, I talk about comedy because it used to be so good, or Norman Wisdom, or you know others of that caliber, but they were on only once a week, and you'd had to sit down and be in front of the TV at a certain time. Now it's it's open; you can live your life, and when you get a chance, or when you think. This is the day in the evening that I'm going to watch it. You can stream it. And it's exactly the same with, of course, yeah. social media and with podcasts. And it's yeah. yeah. so versatile, isn't it? So it actually gives you a choice, right? You, you spoke about choices. Absolutely, it does. Yeah. Yeah. I think I try not to I try not to be too much in an echo chamber of my own making as well. I try, I try to sort of listen to alternative views, however much that might raise the blood pressure. But I do try and do that as well, just to, if only to get a more rounded picture of, of where we are. But yeah, I think coming, coming back to homeopathy, it's how do we, how are we going to navigate these changing and exciting waters, you know, mm. for the benefit of homeopathy? And, uh, and certainly sort of the society for the last, last year has been calling for a round table of all sorts of organizations in the UK so that we can come together and really tackle these big you know pose these big questions and tackle these big questions and say right okay well what are we what are we going to do about it other than rather than just sort of all be in our own little silos and doing our own things however however great that you know your thing mm. might be but I think we need a I do think we need a it's a new it's a new dawn and i think we need a coordinated approach and some big ideas about how we might tackle that i think that's so so important and so needed isn't it yeah uh, corinne i wanted to just touch upon this subject of choice and uh, you say and i quote i'm a firm believer in freedom of choice and the mm-hmm. right of everyone to lead their best life with the freedom to make their own decisions especially when it comes to their own and their family's health. This is such an important statement, and actually, it's quite profound when uh, when one ponders over it. You know, we all have to make choices daily, and sometimes these choices can be terribly difficult. They can be very challenging, but it's so important to be able to make choices because, as coupled with, it's the choices that actually give us that experience of what is right and what is wrong. And in the majority of cases, they lead to gratitude, right? Because yes you're grateful for having made that choice, but being able to. And that's so, so important nowadays with healthcare. 
you mentioned the post-pandemic era, and everyone I'm speaking to now, and I've relayed this to several guests on, on the podcast, people before were very much, oh, homeopathy, I don't know about it, and I'm not almost not interested. Now people are saying, okay, can you tell me a bit more? That's a huge breakthrough. And it's not just homeopathy, it's basically the world of natural healthcare. It, it, it is. And I'm, I'm a huge, I think, what else is there? If we don't have our freedom, what else is there? I mean, it's just, a, it's, it's, the, it's the number one, every, every part of life flows out of that. When I was when I was growing, I didn't go to a, um, an expensive private school or anything like that. They stopped the eleven plus. I lived in Kent. I grew up in a small village in Kent, and at that time they stopped the eleven plus, and so I I didn't go to grammar school. I just went to what was the old secondary modern, which was the new comprehensive. And um, looking back on it now, I think the teachers did their best, but it was really quite, quite appalling. Really, I mean, and, and we were very much sort of siloed into what what our life was going to be. Hmm. So when I had my careers chat, it was, well, you could be a hairdresser or work in a bank. That was, that was the ambition for me. And there are, I know brilliant hairdressers and I know people who love working in a bank, but I'm so ill suited for either. It's just a joke. There was nothing else that, that, that a girl like me could do. Hmm. So the idea that you would have freedom of choice then that was no choice to me at all. So it's freedom of choice as well in with with people not um, pigeonholing you or or being able, able to have the opportunity, everybody have opportunities in life. And along with freedom of choice goes the freedom to make mistakes. And, you know, we've all made mistakes, haven't we? Absolutely. Um, but we don't, we won't learn unless we make mistakes. And, and I, you know, I, I think... When we make a mistake, no one sets out to make a mistake, do they? No one says, oh, let me immediately make a bad decision, you know, but it helps you grow as well. Those changes in life and the freedom to make those changes can take you on a far more interesting and rewarding and fulfilling path than even that you could dream of when you were when you're a youngster. So I'm hugely pro freedom in, in, in every aspect that we can think of with regard to that. I think the other thing, your point about homeopathy, I'm People are finding homeopathy not just through the let me think about natural health are homeopathy, but they're thinking, well, maybe I'll maybe I'll, you know, pop into my local health food store or maybe I, I might just take some vitamin D as a supplement mm. or my mum. My mum says I should take some cod liver oil every day or, or whatever it is. We don't mind how people come to homeopathy. But there's, there are more and more routes to homeopathy now, I think, than there ever have been. And whether you come at it because you've your family have always had home, always um, used homeopathy, or your neighbour does, or your best friend at school tells you that her, her mum's gone to see a homeopath or whatever it is, there are multiple ways that people are coming to homeopathy now. And I think that, I mean, we were talking about social media as well. I mean, that, that is why it's so exciting. I mean, think about how diverse homeopaths are. You know, in our, in our membership, we've got people who were teachers, journalists, nurses, doc, vet, vets, accountants, actors, everything you can think of. And, and it makes it makes this world of homeopathy so rich. But, it, you know, it's interesting that um, as you were saying that, I was just thinking that in the West, it's so different because I, I was speaking to Jock 
Gadei Kathyasa um, from Bali, and he runs something called the Tirta Osada Clinic, and he's an Australian Balinese homeopath. And he said 95% of the Balinese people grew up with natural medicine. And it's 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 a no-brainer, literally, for them. Yeah. And then I was speaking to a number of, of uh, homeopathic doctors in India as part of the podcast and, and just as friends, and it's a totally different structure there as well because oh. homeopathy is like at the corner of every street. You can find a, a practitioner, a doctor, a professor. There's colleges and hospitals focused on homeopathy. And it's, again, it's a no-brainer. It's just yeah. like, okay, I have a choice. Do I want to go to the GP or do I want to go to a consultant? I don't want to just go to the homeopath, you know, um, whatever healthcare system, um, just because we're based in the UK doesn't mean, you know, it's not specific. We're talking generally the world population and healthcare. That homeopathy is one of the many different natural health therapies or modalities out there. Uh, like, like Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, Yunani, these are all, you know, run of the mill and everybody knows about them. But homeopathy can be so beneficial because you're actually going to end up saving time for uh, the medical practice, because when it comes to just let's just take acute prescribing an injury, a bump, a sore throat, a, a, a blocked nose, a cold, a fever, mm. those things. And there's billions of people who suffer from that, right? Day in, day out. Mm. Imagine the amount of money you could help save and the amount of time you can save for the medical profession, conventional medicine, by mm. saying, well, here's the homeopathic alternative and you don't have to worry and you don't have to feel anxious and you don't have to run from hospital to hospital because this is, these are the symptoms. Here's your little homeopathic first aid kit. Take the dosage as it's supposed to be and everything will be fine. And, and that's empowerment as well, is it not? Well, I think that, and when we're talking about sort of the importance of freedom of choice for the individual, homeopathy is all about the individual because it's treating the individual. Mm. You know, this is the other when when I when I talk to people who don't use homeopathy and um you know when they ask me about it and I say, well, you know, if you're if it's a chronic condition, you're going to go and see a homeopath and they're going to spend maybe an hour, hour and a half with you asking, they go, an hour and a half? Well, we only get five minutes with the doctor. Mm. Uh, and but and I said, Well, then how would how does the doctor know exactly how you're feeling? How does the doctor know what's going on in your life? You know, how they're going to ask you whether the pain is on this side or that side, whether it's better for having a hot drink or a cold drink, you know, all of these things. And they said, but that makes sense to me. I said, well, yes, it is, because that's it's actually treating you as an individual. And and they love this idea. Absolutely love it. But it and it works. I, I always say to people, I say, I say, you need personalized health care. And they yes, say, absolutely. what does that mean? I said, personalized health care. You need homeopathy. And then they explain and they say, Wow. And mm. that's truly what it is, isn't it? Individualized, mm. personalized, tailored, whatever that word, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I got a, I got a, um, I haven't actually seen it yet, but I, I, I don't know if you've received one. I got a text from my, um, from my doctor's surgery just before we came on air to say that, um, that uh, follow this, follow this link because th these are the everyday medicines that doctors are no longer going to prescribe for you and, okay. and you've got to go to a pharmacy. So, we have um, nurses in our own family, so we know sort of firsthand how dire some of these things are. But more and more, these are the things we're not going to treat you for. But these are the, these are also things that homeopathy can treat you for. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you so you don't have to go, you know, yes, you might want to go and chat to your pharmacist, but you might want to come and chat to your 
homeopath and rather than be on those um, drugs long term, actually get better with homeopathy. Mm, absolutely. And that's that's what the point I was also making was that it's a benefit. It's it's not with any system. It's not Chinese medicine, for example, um, for the purposes of this conversation versus Ayurveda or Ayurveda versus homeopathy. It's not that. It actually goes back again for the third time to yeah. choice. Yeah. Homeopathy, some people want to go that way. Some people might want to go a different therapy way. But the fact is at least they have the option and there are some countries where that option is a no-brainer. Again, I use that word, you know, because yeah. they can make that choice dependent on their experience, their uh, experiences of what they've gone through health-wise, and what makes them feel that feeling good for them. Because we know that sometimes just trusting somebody can help so much because you need just somebody, whatever profession, you know, you need someone just to listen and say, okay, I'm going to do my best to help. So important words, aren't they? Well, how, how often have you said to have when you've been talking to homeopaths and they've said a lot of the remedy is in listening. You know, mm. a lot of the, of the cure is in listening to somebody telling you what the problem is, you know, and you do feel better. So if you don't feel that you're, that you're, uh, and I'm not in any way suggesting that homeopathy is a listening cure only. It's part of listening to the patient. It's part of that whole patient experience, teaching people, treating people with respect treating people as an individual and then giving them something that works for them. But th that is what, you know, where have we, why have we got to this point where, where it's, you know, soon we'll be going to uh, um, some sort of booth with a camera on the, on the top that says, press this button for whatever, you know, ails you. And then you'll press it. And out from the bottom will come some sort of vial and take that and off you go. You know, is that is that where we're really going? I don't think any of us wants to go that far. Um, that, that sounds like a film, though, doesn't it? Like a movie. Yeah. Well, I increasingly <laughs> welcome rather, to the future. Life is a bit of a movie, um, <laughs> but uh, maybe it is. My great grandfather used to <clears throat> give homeopathic pills. He was uh, he used to prescribe single remedy, and in those days, mm. long long time back, of course, and the stories are. That he used to give, he used to have remedies in his pocket, and whoever was sick, he would just take the pills, and he'd actually put them on on the patient's tongue himself. And they would, after a few hours or after a few minutes, certainly the stories are that they'd say, "Oh, problem's gone. What did you give us?" And you know, it was the simplicity of it as well. And I love, yes. absolutely love that about homeopathy. It really is simple. You can make it as complicated as you want, of course. But at the end of the day, it's simple. It's about saying, this is a remedy which is going to match you, or remedies. Mm -hmm. It depends. Every practitioner is different. It's an art. Mm -hmm. But here's your treatment. And, you know, I'm going to be here until you're fully healed. And mm -hmm. I'm not going anywhere. And you can call me whenever you want. You can get in touch with me. And, you know, that is just amazing because it works so, so well. And to have that inner trust as well, you've got to trust yourself sometimes, you know. And I say that with humility, but you have to, as a homeopath, say, okay, I know it's like a podium, I know it's pulsatilla, I know it's uh, arnica and aconite, whatever it is, you know. And when you give that remedy and it matches the patient, it's the similimum, let's say. It's brilliant. The results are lasting and, and it changes the patient's perception of so many things, doesn't it, about healing and about yeah. knowing more and about understanding their body. And it's, it's having that 
confidence to um, trust that you are on the right path and you are going to give the, the patient that remedy that's going to help them. Mm. And we, I do see quite a lot of that where, you know, homeopaths, some homeopaths are, are lacking a little bit of in confidence. And I think as well, it's, I mean, when we all, I mean, it was great that we could go online when lockdowns happened, but that's also meant that there has been an element for some homeopaths of isolation. You know, there may not be many other homeopaths around them, you know, to talk things through. I mean, that's mm. why I say, you know, you should be a member of the society because we're we're a big community and a big support for you as well. But that is having that it's having that trust and um, in yourself and the confidence in yourself and the belief, you know, you you are you you can do it. You've done it lots of times before and, and you can do it again now. Um and I and I think some sometimes that is a little bit sometimes that is a little bit a bit lacking. Um and they do need that support, particularly when you first go into practice as well. You know, you come out of college and um you're suddenly in the big in the big wide world and there's a lot, you know, there's a lot to take on, isn't there, about yeah. running your own practice, running your own because you're self-employed, you're whether you like to call your practice a business or not, it is. So you need business skills as well as you know, skills as a homeopath. And it's it's a lot to take on board. And you, you know, you need that support from your own community, wherever that community is, whether it's in a organization like the society or it's a local group or it's a, you know, a couple of friends that you're chatting to down, you know, and having a coffee or listening to a podcast like this, for instance. Um, I mean, all these things are really helpful, aren't they, to um you know, to give you that confidence because you're not you've got it's homeopathy have got it's got so many detractors it's easy to get distracted by the detractors and let that knock you and you you really must not it's uh, you know what you've said is so so wonderful because and so apt because it's it's so important to be able to have friends in the field to be able to talk and of course we've got all these tools like you've mentioned there's podcasts and uh, there's books but that social interaction is also so so important with and you can talk to people about what well, is it this and that and you can be very open about it and they you know you can say oh no that's that's wrong that's not how you study the repertory or that's not that mm. remedy or mm. and it helps because without that i mean you can't go it alone it doesn't work that way homeopathy yeah. is actually very much community because yes yes you're treating patients and and it's very much about uh, unity isn't it togetherness and learning yeah. together and moving yeah. forward together do you know, talk about learning together. I went in March, anyway, in the spring, I was invited to go to a um, homeopathy at Welly level, um, invited me into a, onto a farm in Wales hmm. when they were um, doing a course for a group of farmers. They're actually all, all women. Some were farmers. One, one was the, um, they, she and her husband had a, um, a pheasant shoot but most of them were sort of either were cattle or, or sheep. They were asked me if I'd like to come and sit in on one of the um, training days. It was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. I had a fabulous time. You know, we were taking cases as well. We were talking about animals and and they'd all just done one, cor- one course before this. After one course, they'd taken what they'd learned back with them to their farms. And they were one one of them had treated her animals with such a good result that she then went and bought a first aid kit and was treating her own family 
I mean, that is the power of homeopathy. Mm. And these are and and farmers, I I um my family are um farmed. My father grew up on a I grew up on a farm when I was little. Farmers don't do anything that doesn't work. And they don't spend any money on anything that doesn't work. You know, believe you me. But they were cutting down on the antibiotic u- use. They were um, understanding their animals better as well, because they all know their animals, but they're understanding their animals better. And they were getting some amazing results from that. And they were then recommending it to other farmers that, that they knew. And this is, again, the power of this word of mouth learning in a community. Have They had the support there of the other farmers on the course the support from homeopathy at welly level as well, but then also talking to other farmers in their community and said, look, you know, this, if anything, this will save you money. And it's very important with cutting down antibiotic use for for cattle as well, um, particularly with um, milk farmers, for dairy farmers. They were getting some uh, amazing results. And I, I, I heard, um, I heard that one of the, or, you know, she's going to kill me because I can't, I can't remember what the organization is. So I'm sorry, apologies in advance. But I, I did hear that there were a group of, um, this particular group had done a, a Zoom call for pet owners who were interested in teaching, treating their pets with homeopathy. And there were 600 attendees. Wow. So many good things going on. This is the power of the community as well, that, that we hear about these things. And all these things give us strength and we can draw strength and and feel really proud of what we're all doing as well absolutely as you were saying that i was thinking that uh, last year i had pat ahern who's the aka the homeopath farmer from cork in ireland and he used homeopathy for his cows for mastitis originally and now uh, a year later or a bit more than a year now and uh, you know he's presenting and he's getting farming community he's getting the farming community together and mm-hmm. talking about homeopathy, he's using it on his crops, on his soil. He's done a few really interesting um, videos for me, which I've shared on my reels, where he's showing how the grass, how the soil has changed, and and just the yes. sheer beauty and healthiness of it, and yes, or vitality, should I say? And Tracy Simpson in New Zealand, who I'm doing a running series with, a day in the life of, is a dairy farmer, and she uh, is the owner of Homeopathic Farm Services. And again, there's huge interest because of. Um, the fact that she's using homeopathy on her cattle, on her dairy cows daily. And more and more of the farming community are becoming involved and asking, well, hang on, how does this work? And no, you're also using it on your crops. And and with agri-homeopathy, or some people call it agro, you know, it's plant as well and soil-based, isn't it? So it's just so exciting to to know that that's happening. It really is. And I, I... If I'm the sort of person, if we've, if I've got a goal in mind, if someone says, slams a door on me and says, no, you can't do that, I just think, right, I'm not going to take no for an answer. You know, I, I, I'll, if there's a, if the barrier comes up in front of me, I think, right, well, I'll go around that and I'll find another way of mm. doing this, you know. And I think the other, the real, the tremendously exciting strength of homeopathy is all these people, everybody is doing their bit to get through to the public consciousness. And and we need everybody to do that. Not just one part of homeopathy can do it on its own. Mm. You know, that's where we become stone starts rolling, doesn't it? It And it builds up momentum and it gets quicker and quicker and quicker. And I know it's different in in India and other places, but it's it's how it is here. 
at the moment. But that stone is rolling quicker and quicker and quicker. I've been hearing from the colleges that the intake this year of students for of uh, studying, well, it depends whether you're studying a, um, a two-year you know, full-time course or an online course or a four-year part-time, the students are getting younger. They're, they're far more business savvy when they come and they're far more determined that they want to make a full career out of this, not just dabble in it. They want to go into practice and make a successful career out of this. And it's a, that's a big hurrah because we absolutely need that to happen because, you know, we've, we've got some, as well as all these great things happening in homeopathy, we've got some challenges as well. And one of our challenges is that our wonderful homeopaths, unfortunately, time catches up with us all. Mm. And, our our practicing homeopaths are getting older and some quite a few of them especially those you know the well-known names that we you know love are getting towards retirement age so we need more people to come into the profession to replace the ones that that are leaving and that is really 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 important that we do that you know and that just uh, that takes commitment because it's not you know nobody gets a grant for training in homeopathy anymore so it takes commitment, but it's it's. I think we've got colleges in the UK that are really um, aware of these challenges. I don't know if you know, but we've just announced that the two, there there were two education accredita- accreditation processes in the UK. I'm not I'm not talking about medics now with the faculty of homeopathy. Have they have their own exams because they're medical doctors that are that members? But for the non medical doctors. So the society accredited colleges and then another organization called QAVs accredited colleges. And we agreed this summer that we would come together as one unified organization, an independent organization of the registers. So the society isn't accrediting colleges anymore, but be one unified independent accreditation board for homeopathy so that it can, so that the colleges can come together. We can raise standards as, as a whole. We can share all the all the great things that we're doing, um, which the colleges are doing, and, and share some of that knowledge, whilst retaining the importance of diversity of content and diversity of delivery, which makes again learning about homeopathy so wonderful. But this is a huge thing for homeopathy to to have that unified body, so that we can tackle all the big issues that we need to start to talk about at college when people first come to college but that is that is a a huge step forward as well that's that's a really exciting thing that's happening so that's, that's very exciting i think that's, that's absolutely brilliant and that that's you know bringing everyone together i love all that because yeah. that's very much what i i know i'm a, you know, just one person but i try to do that as far as the guests who come on the show and and the mm. promos that go out on the social media and it's about collective that big huge uh, community of homeopaths and if that can be done with colleges and yes. there's a central board i mean that's just brilliant for community because it's stronger together right absolutely stronger together and and we can bring everybody under if we can if we can bring everybody under the um well it raises standards as a whole mm. because we are not a regulated industry as as you know um we would, of course, I'm going to say this, but we would like everybody, all homeopaths, to join a register because it gives public confidence in homeopathy as a profession. 
And we are still working within the system that we've got. You know, so public confidence is really, really important, you know, because they recognize a certain way of healthcare, and homeopathy is quite a lot different from that. So I'm a, I'm a commercial person. My whole career has been commercial. And there is a, a thing called the fear of regret. Hmm. But people don't buy because they fear that they may regret the purchase. So it's that hesitation. So if we can, if we can get, you know, the, some of the public that might be a bit hesitant about trying something different, if they can see that we've got all these great standards, they can see we're transparent, they can see that homeopaths, you know, do a four-year or two-year full, full, uh, full-time really in-depth course, you know, that they know what they're about, that they can come and talk to you and that, that they understand you. Um, it, that That's all part of public confidence. That's all part of public confidence. It, um, you know, that's what you're saying and what, what's been done last summer is so, so commendable and so needed, honestly, because, again, I go back to the same thing about unity. It's so, so important. So uh, to come together and have those standards, which, of course, and it's so applicable for the new generation who are very much in line with this thought, yes. thought process. Yeah. Yeah. Well, are you registered with such and such? And, okay, what's the objectives of that organization? Which actually take me on to the Society of Homeopaths. The Society was started in 1978. So we're, we're, we are, we're not quite at our 50th yet, Ati, like you are. Um, we've, we're five years off our 50th. So, um, yeah, we, we, we started then and we are, I mean, we have, gosh, we have all sorts of different people. As I said earlier, all people from all work, walks of life choose homeopathy. So, you know, we do have doctors, nurses, we have midwives, um, who've, who've then trained in homeopathy, but everybody comes to homeopathy because, well, most people come because it's worked for them. You know, they've had an experience and it means it mm. worked for them. We're there as a, a real umbrella of support for homeopaths when they come into practice. Um, I mean, we do, we stand, we're probably, I think, you know, we're known for our high standards. We have, our members have to abide by a strict code of ethics. Uh, we really are the gold standard as far as registers are concerned. We're the largest register, we're the largest membership organisation, um, the largest registering body for homeopaths in the UK. And actually, we're larger than the other registers put together. Um, so we've, we're an important voice. And what what we do, others follow. And what we do counts. What we say counts. And we're sort of mindful of that, too. Our members join us from overseas as well, but not not so many overseas. We do lots of things. I mean, we have we have a My Practice program, which we're massively extending next year. And this is for a program that supports homeopaths when they're graduated in the first two years, those really critical two years. Anyone who's run a business or who's listening to this podcast will know that it's the first two years, really the first year particularly, but the first two years are critical to staying in business. So um, we have a whole My Practice program of films and events and learning opportunities that supports those members. They can phone us up. You know, members can phone me. Um, I was on the phone to a, a homeopath yesterday, a registered member yesterday, just giving her support with a, an issue that she's got. 
to know that you can pick up the phone. If you are a member of the society and something is on your mind or you're worried about something, you can pick up the phone and speak to somebody on the other end of the phone is huge. It's really huge. Even if it's just to hear, well, yeah, well, you've done the right thing or yes, you're right. Perhaps you could have done that, but let's have that learning from from here on in. Mm. We put on a um, a conference every year and I'm delighted to say May the 18th, we're going back to a face-to-face conference in 2024. So, yeah, (laughs) and we're all going to be in one room in London, May the 18th, chatting together, laughing together, learning from each other. I mean, it's just, it's, it's what... It's what the society is about. So we're going to be doing that. What else are we doing? Yeah, I think we I think we really help members navigate some of the some of the sort of choppier waters out there as well. There even, you know, can I say this on my website or can't I say this on my website? It's, it's it is confusing. You know, it is confusing. Yeah, we're there for um and it's not just new members, uh newly newly practicing members. Um it's helping members who've been running a practice maybe for a few years and you want to perhaps learn about how you might do something a little bit differently. And, and a lot of people, if they've been been running a business for a while, you don't want to admit that you don't know everything. <laughs> We're a safe space for, for admitting mm. that you don't know everything and, and introducing new ideas. And it's so really it's um, and we I, I don't know whether you, you might be interested in this. We did a really interesting survey asking our members. And it was the biggest response we had for a survey for many, many years because we are we were asked our members you know, how they were feeling, you know, what they were hoping for and some of the challenges they were having. And and what really came out from that was growth. It was a it was a theme of growth. They want to grow their practice. They mm. want to grow their income because that's the dirty word that people don't want to talk about. But you've got to earn money to be able to be to stay in practice. You know, Absolutely. you know, it's there's, there's no shame in that. It won't make you a less of a homeopath. If you're actually running a successful practice that helps you support your family and put food on the table, mm, you know, of course, um, they uh, they wanted is there's a growth in a number of patients, and that was all about how do we get that that um, word of mouth out. Growth as a homeopath, that's the other thing that I love about working in this sector, is because homeopaths want to keep on learning. Uh, the amount of times I've hit, you'll never you will never learn everything there is to know about homeopathy. No, you know, no, you know, definitely it, not. There's it, too it's, much, too it's, much. It's fabulous, you know, that you want to keep on learning. Mm. Um, but they also wanted to, um, they wanted to grow in confidence. We already, we already ch- touched on that. But work-life balance was an important part as well. Mm. And, and I think I think that's the other, that's, I say to members, because I do have a passion for the self-employed, having been one, is if you have a successful practice, as a homeopath, and the majority of homeopaths in the UK are women, that practice will can sustain you for all of your professional life, whether you are starting off as a young homeopath or whether you have got small children and it's fitting in patients throughout small children, or maybe you've got caring responsibilities as your parents get older. You know, maybe you're part of the sandwich generation of children and parents getting older but but it can sustain you all your life and and all the time you're doing good as well i mean how many other professions i'm struggling to think of it how many other professions could say that that it can sustain you it can be it can be a lifelong journey of learning 
and you, you know, all the time you're helping others as well. I mean, it just ticks all, all my boxes. It absolutely does. I, I think it's so, so important. But I was going to actually say, uh, Corinne, that I, even though you are the chief executive and you know this, but um, there is so much respect, and, and, I, and I have to say that it's deserved 100% for the Society of Homeopaths because mm -hmm. of the work that it does and everything that you've just said, the fact that it's an organization which has the highest standards uh, as a code of conduct, has clear streamlined objectives and is yes. always there so people can yeah. so homeopaths can pick up the phone so you know i think it's uh it's an amazing amazing organization and really it's it's only going to get stronger and stronger and better and better oh i i totally believe in it and i and i have to say really i i stand i sit here representing the society today but it's thanks to all of those members who've been many of whom have been with us since 1978 it's it's also thanks to all of the members because without the members and without subscription fees there would be no society mm. we are we are nothing without our members so you know i represent our members and i re I, I represent some amazing homeopaths and it's a real honor to be chief executive of of the society and we also have a really forward thinking board of directors uh, and i think i think a lot of thanks need to go to the board of directors past but particularly present because mm. they have got you know they've got a very clear idea of where they want the, the society to go they've got a clear plan there's internal pressures with to do with the profession and then there, or there's always external pressures to do with everything else that happens as well I really, truly can say every day I look forward to coming to work. And I can't say that about every organisation <laughs> I've ever worked for. It's such an exciting time. It's such an exciting yeah. time. Of course, I would like everybody to be a member of, of uh, and a registered member of um, our society. Of, of course I would. And I think we, we do so many great things that people can see. Oh, and by the way, we're getting a brand new website. By the time this goes out, we'll have had a new website oh, as well. Oh, great. Which will be far easier. I mean, our our website, it's never cheap to do a website, is it? And um, But our website's getting rather old. So our, our website will be you know, all singing, all dancing, bells and jingles on it and all the rest of it. So um Happy New um, Year. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> and that will be a lot easier for, for members to navigate as well. And it'll it'll be a new look for the society as well and a more modern look for the society mm. because we are just as homeopathy is moving into a new age, the society, the society is right alongside that. And actually, it's the job of the society as well to anticipate some of those opportunities and challenges coming down the line so that we can either let our members know and prepare for that or or sort of take a view and really, you know, so our members don't have to be, you know, reading reams of newspapers and reams of this and while trying to run a busy practice and what are the things I should be concerned about? What are the things I shouldn't be concerned about? Not that we tell our members, we at no way do we ever tell our members what to think. We are not, we are not the policemen of our members' consciences. But what we say is, well, here, here are some of those things. This is what th this side says. This is, it's our view of this. Make your own decision on that. It just helps to have that, like you were saying, stronger together. 
we are stronger together. If we all come together, we have a far louder and clearer and more passionate voice. It's easier to pick us all off if we're just one by one by one and we're isolated. But when we come together on podcasts like this or as part of the society or, or as I said, a local group or whatever it is, the strength is in numbers. Corinne Stewart, it's been um absolute honour. You used that word earlier, but the honour is mine that you've given up an hour to come on the show. And I because I know your schedule is pretty much back to back, uh, literally. So every minute is precious. And it's absolutely lovely to be able to have you come and share your insights and experiences. And I certainly hope that in a few months, we can talk some more. Oh, I'd love to. And thank you so much. And this hour is whizzed by. And if only every hour was as pleasant as this and as enjoyable but thank you so much and i'd love to come back at some stage i do hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of the homeopathy health show please do support the show by clicking follow on my socials remember the more exposure the podcast receives the better for homeopathy around the world you can find me on instagram by searching for at like underscore treats like and on both Facebook and TikTok by searching for at Like Treats Like. So let's promote the voice of homeopathy on radio and podcast around the world together. Don't forget to visit me online at www.liketreatslike.co.uk and click on the radio and podcast tab. Here you'll be able to see all the guests that have joined me on the show so far. And of course, you can stream on demand the latest episode to your mobile tablet or PC. Until next time, stay safe and take care.